Okay. This. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> How dare you interrupt ah. my introduction. <laughs> hey, guys. It's another episode of the MFG cast. I am Kurt. Tonight, I am solo mio. My friends have all abandoned me and damn them from doing so. That's okay. We ha- They have excuses. My wife is trying to put my son to bed. God love her. And Dan is covering his route. He's a mailman, if you don't know, if you didn't know that. One of his uh, work buddies passed out from the heat exhaustion, so he is stuck late. So our hearts and minds are with him. Thank you, Dan. Uh, but I'm not alone. I have a awesome guest for us. Or what did I say for us? That doesn't sound right at all. I've got an awesome guest on the podcast today. We're going to be talking about rule book editing. That's something that I, we were just talking about before we got on. And, you know, it's like something that I feel like we just don't talk about enough. And if we do, we don't talk about it in good detail. So I just want to introduce Sarah Sharp from, dang it, I had it. Creator's Companion. Creator's Companion. I have brains and they don't work right. <laughs> Thank you for coming on, Sarah. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. But before we get into the intense, oh. dramatic, oh, yeah, detail yeah. of of uh, rule book editing, let's talk about what we've been playing lately. Sarah, since you're my guest, I'll let you go first. Why don't you tell us about what you've been playing lately? Oh yeah, so uh, so I just got back from Gen Con. Uh, I did not get the tremendous haul of games that I have seen people tweeting about (laughs) and the boxes and boxes of games they shipped home but the one thing we've been playing a lot since we came back from gen con we've been playing junk orbit a lot have you played junk orbit yet i have not i've seen lots of awesome pictures of it but i have not played it's really fun i'm big into like spatial like tile lane games like patchwork and barren park and things like that so this kind of satisfies that itch but it's also a pickup and deliver game which I also enjoy. So it's uh, it's really fun. It's light. The only thing I don't like about it is it comes in this amazing like cylinder box, which looks great. It doesn't fit anywhere on my game shelf though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one of those that you're like, yeah. oh, this looks good in a game store, but yes. not anywhere yes. in your house. That box was designed for display purposes only, not for storage purposes. Yeah, yeah. If you uh, have a good trophy trophy rack, then maybe right, you can throw it on right. there. Uh, no, so that game is fun, um, and it scales really well from two to five players, which is nice. We got the uh, five to six player expansion for Sagrada um, that adds some uh, a different option for gameplay. Um, where you can have your own private dice pool as well as the dice pool that you're pulling from. So I'm really excited about that. And then before we went to Gen Con, we have been playing the hell out of Charterstone. We're about halfway through. We're on game six. And then uh, we've also been playing Heaven and Ale a lot, which is a, yeah, it's a tile placement kind of worker placement Euro game. Um, We bought it at Origins. And God, we've probably played it at least eight times since we brought it home from Origins, which was not that long ago. It's really fun. I like Euro games, so that's kind of where I'm at. What about you? That's awesome. Well, I won't go into too much detail about how many, about 
all the games I've been playing. Because like, most of them are stuff that I've talked about. Like, Dan will attest, we've kind of talked about uh, me trying to play the expansions that we got for certain things. So, like, we got one of the expansions for uh, Raiders of the North Sea, Hall of Heroes. So, basically, the Hall of Heroes uh, expansion adds a little board where you can have this meat hall, basically. And when you go to the meat hall, it adds these little meat, meat tokens. They look like little pumpkins or something like that. You, you are saying meat, like M-E-A-T, right? Oh, I am not, actually. I'm saying You're... mead, like drinking oh, mead. some mead. mead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In my head, you said meat hall, and I was like, hmm, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, the meat hall sounds scary, especially back in those times. Who knows right? what meat hall would actually look like. Right? Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of there's a lot of pillaging in that game, so it could have yeah, been Yeah, yeah, exactly. This, <laughs> this is a lovely uh, room of death you have here. Um... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's mead. It's uh, the drinking, yes. And they look like little pumpkins, but the, the mead tokens that you get actually help for your military military strength. Oh. So it can help you pillage Sure. More. Yeah, because, sure. you know, pump your, you know, pump your gentlemen and your ladies full of mead and there, go out there and, you know, go die in glory, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. You know, um, Vi- the Viking way. That's right. And also what it does, too, is it also gives you a chance to get to get an, an extra card. I can't remember what they call like the warriors that you use or whatever, the, car, the cards of the warriors. It actually gives you a chance to get one of those free guys into your hands, and then you can, you know, hire them later. So, you know, it's, it's a little, you know, it's a little expansion. There's not much to it, but it adds right. a lot more to it, I think, and it's kind of a nice little option. I like, I like expansions that are thoughtful in that they add to gameplay and are not just kind of like a like a thrown on bit yeah. just to say they have an expansion yeah it's good yeah and 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 that's sometimes where i get scared about that kind of stuff you know yeah. like i like raiders like a lot like right now i'm really digging it so like getting yeah. this expansion i'm like i i'm sure it's not gonna be that kind of throwaway thing but you know i'm just excited to play it and i'm glad that we got it and it's funny too because sure. like when we talked about what we got the, exp- the expansion for Raiders, and then we got the expansion for um, another game, and uh, both of them have another expansion. And everybody goes, "You need to get the other expansion because that's the best <laughs> one to get." And I'm like, "Oh crap, yeah. we didn't get it," you know. But uh, this one serves a great purpose, and I, I'm glad we did it. Yeah, I, uh, I I got to play Raiders in the North Sea for first time at a local convention. Uh, we're in the Pacific Northwest. I got to play it at a local convention. Um, and I picked it up because the artist who does the art for Raiders of the North Sea, um, he goes by the Miko. I'm not going to obliterate his actual name because he's Macedonian and I can't even pronounce it to save my life. <laughs> but he goes by the Miko. Um, and I'm also a co-owner of Daily Magic Games. And he does all the art for our Valeria line. Nice. Um, and now our sci-fi line for Horizons. And I just, I love his art. And so uh, when I played it, I was like, oh, this is kind of like playing one of our games. And this game is awesome. Like, I was really excited about it. It's fun. <laughs> he does Vikings really, really well. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It's funny, too, because I never even thought of that, that they look so similar. But, yeah, that's the same thing. Yeah. It's just, we talk about it here. Like, we just, of course, mechanics are awesome. But just sometimes when you have that great art, like, with those games, it's just like, oh, yeah. Man, I just love. Oh, yeah. It just, it gets you more immersed in it, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. I know, um, 
we we've played um, we've played a lot of photosynthesis lately, mm-hmm. and uh, the art in that game is beautiful. Yeah. Like the tree standees for that game are amazing. I get super excited every time we pull it out because it just looks beautiful on the table. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I want to grow all the trees. And, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's so serene. It's like I'm walking. I'm walking in a field of trees that are beautiful. <laughs> You know? That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. The other game I've been playing lately, and this is one. Well, I, this is one I'm not going to be able to talk about too much, otherwise I would spoil it. Is the choose your own, choose your own adventure House of Danger? Oh, the, nice. Oh, Sarah, so good. I love this game so much. But oh. you got to realize, like I I read all those books when I was a kid. Yeah. I just poured through them. And don't get me wrong, this game is this game is based off of a book that's from the 80s, and the book is yeah. weird. It's weird. Yeah. But it's like so much fun. Like we've we played it up until a point like okay, so you obviously know choose your own adventures, you pick yeah. A or you pick B, you either go on or you die. That's just it. That's usually right. just what happens. Right. But this game this game adds a little bit more. It like gives you a little extra. It gives you some other things to help you. Again, I'm not going to yeah. tell too much cuz I don't want to spoil it. But <laughs> like it just we got to a point where we we're really far and we're doing really good and we died and we're both and me and my me and my buddy mike were just like oh that sucks you know we were just like disappointed but we're like you know it says well you've died but go back to the last option you have and just keep going and we're like yeah awesome awesome i we still probably would have played it again from played it from the beginning but this is a game that even though it's very limited in choices and mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to do too much. Like, literally, I want to play this with my buddy Mike. Then I want to play this with my son. Then I want to play right. this with my wife just to see how many roads it goes down and how, yeah. if it goes down the same pass or different pass. Nice. That sounds really fun. You and I need to talk in, like, three months when I can talk about something I'm working on. Because <laughs> I think, based on your comment right now, you will really dig it. Nice. So in three months, we will have a conversation, nice. and I will tell you three about something months. I'm working on. Write, yeah. it, write it down, everybody. Um, <laughs> I uh, signed the NDA yesterday, so I can't <laughs> can't do anything right now. But hold on. You're going to yeah, really like yeah, it, I promise. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, enough about, about, about what games we're playing. Let's talk about what you do at Creator's Companion. Some yeah. rule book editing. So, you yeah. know, so, okay. So we had Daniel Peterson on from Mayday Games quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. And he said that you have to be really short and concise with writing what you what you have written for your rule book because most people are not even going to read through the whole thing correctly. What That's do you say to that? Probably true. <laughs> I would say that if your rule book is well organized and in certain spaces, you get to the point when you need to that you sh- you shouldn't have to sit down and read a rule book cover to cover in one sitting, right? I should be able to open up the rule book, go through the setup, get the general idea of a round, and then as I'm playing, know exactly where I should turn to in the rule book to find specific rules if I need to, right? If your rule book is well organized, then you shouldn't have to read it cover to cover. But in each of those sections, it better be very... He's right with the word concise. It needs to be very clear as to what you mean the players to do. And if you have a mechanic that can be a little troublesome or 
could be easily construed to work a different way. You, it's, I tell people all the time, have a visual example, a word example with a visual with it. Because if you can do that, sometimes that can clarify better than any way you could have written that sentence out, right? Because sometimes there's just not a, there's just not a way to write what you're trying to write without going, okay, I could see how somebody could look at it a different way. So you need to have an example of how the play goes so people know. Nope, see in the example it worked this way. This is what I meant. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like that idea because I know for a fact with me, like when I read rule books and stuff like that, like a lot of times wording can really just lose me. You know, it's just like, yeah. you know, there's so many things and I think I think rule books and the, the way they're edited now is a lot better than it used to be in the past because mm -hmm. I know that there are some where it was just like from get-go, I was, you know, I'd be like, I have absolutely no clue what you're talking about. You know, right, it's I'm like, lost. yeah. Yes. So like, in, I, like your example with the, with the actual visual examples, like that's, that's a big thing yeah. because obviously you can read it and like, you, like three different people can read it and, and interpret it three different ways. Right. And if you have that visual, then it's like, guess what? This is how it's working on here. So obviously that's the way it's going to play out because that's how you would see it in the game. Right. Somebody asked me not too long ago about the, like, just having a QR code that somebody can scan and then watch the playthrough video. Yeah. And I'm 100% behind playthrough videos. I think they're amazing. I actually sat down and watched, like, three playthrough videos for Charterstone before we pl we started playing just to make sure that... We knew what we were getting into, right? And of course I read the rules. But I think playthrough videos and rule books both serve their purpose. One, because if I'm gonna watch a playthrough video, it's probably gonna be before I sit down at the table, right? Once I'm at the table and I have the, the game out, I don't wanna have to get up from the table or stop what I'm doing to pull up a video, to possibly fast forward to just the right spot of that rule I'm trying to figure out. That's what my rule book is for right it's it's as much a playthrough tutorial as it is a reference piece of reference material right the other reason is because like we always heard in school people are different types of learners mm -hmm. some people le learn by watching playthrough videos are great for them some people learn by reading some people learn by it being taught to them. Like, they're auditory learners. They have to have somebody, like, teach it to them. And some people just want to be like, you know what, let's just start the game and we'll play through a round and we'll figure it out from there. Um, but I, so I think all of those options are important. But I don't think you could ever make a game and not put a rule book in it. I think yeah. that would be a terrible idea yeah yeah <laughs> yeah terrible, like here watch this idea. video good luck you know because like even even in video like you can't necessarily even if you're even if it's written writ or even if the video is made out by the person that designed it right it, you don't it doesn't mean everybody's gonna get exactly how right. they tell the story of how the, right. the game would go also we have a rule in our house that we know we got to play a game at least three times before we know that we have the rules right mm -hmm. And even then, we'll have we'll take a game off the shelf that we've played dozens of times, and we'll be playing, and I'll be thumbing through the rules just because, and I'll be like, hey, we've been playing that rule wrong for three years now, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> yeah. Because we didn't, you know, you just, your eye skips over some things sometimes. Yeah, but yep, yeah, yep. It is well, even, yeah, well, even with the getting taught with stuff, like, 
Uh, I'll throw Dan under the bus. I love him to death, but <laughs> he uh, he actually taught me how to play uh, Raiders of the North Sea online, mm-hmm. and he forgot to tell me that when you when you lay a, lay a guy and take the action, and when you take away the guy and you and also take that action, mm-hmm. we skip that part. Oh, we, we that's never kind of important. We, yeah, when we yeah, when we took that other meeple off or whatever you want to call it, like you're supposed to take that action. He never he forgot to tell me that part. And then we're, you know, I'm playing it with Tracy, and she's like, oh, I can't remember what we were doing. I think I was just looking through something, looking for another rule, and I go, oh, on page two or three or whatever, here it is. You're supposed yeah. to take that action. And I'm like, wow, no wonder we're not doing as much as we should be doing in this yeah. game. Yeah, and some, some games are just complex, right? Some games are just complicated, and they they need a big chunky rule book because there's a lot to cover, mm-hmm. especially if you have a game where it's heavy strategy. I mean, I don't know if you've ever looked through the rule book for Twilight Imperium. <laughs> no way. It's a brain burner, man. <laughs> yeah. It's a brain burner. And the funny thing is, is when you sit down to play that game, it's really easy to play. Yeah. The turns are very simple as to what you can do each turn. But your choice of actions and what that can do, the rule book has to spell out everything that could could happen when you make a choice, right? So it has to be comprehensive. But the game itself is simple. So I think there's... You need a rule book to explain everything, but there's also a home for playthrough videos and people teaching you so that you don't get overwhelmed when you pick up a rule book and you're like, ah, 57 pages, oh my God. You know, <laughs> you still want to sit down and play. On that note, it's important when you have those complex rule books that either you have a quick play guide on the back or a very short and concise intro section that walks you through a quick how to play and then all the all the nuts and bolts all the nuts and bolts later on fantasy flight has been doing this really cool thing lately in a lot of their games where they're doing a tutorial book that walks you through the first game mm-hmm. and then a rules reference book that's like the the heavier nitty-gritty rules of the game and i think that's brilliant that's mm-hmm. a wonderful way to approach that because it's like okay here's my quick and easy let's get started and then if I need to look up something that's a little more nuanced, I have a reference book that's very well laid out that I can go, okay, how do I move my ships? Ships, page 24. Perfect. I got it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's that's a brilliant way to approach that. Yeah. And I, I think they probably learned that from making their RPG books because sure. RP, RPGs have been doing that for a long time now where it's like, yeah. okay, we have all this reference that you could have to like, okay, if you need a... <clears throat> For you know, if you need a fourth level spell or whatever, here's all these things. But here, well, here's the little player's manual. You can just go through that, look through you know some other things. If you want to be crunchy, look at this yeah. other stuff. So it's yeah. good to know that. Yeah. So so when you're when you go through and you're editing out playbooks for other companies or even your own company that you work for, the oh, your own company that worked for for Daily Magic. Do how what's your checklist as far as you know the things you look for you know going down the line is it is it the same every time or is it something where depending upon the game then you kind of switch it up how does that work out um i have a general process that i go through um but it changes based on usually based on the weight of the game 
right? So like I just finished um, I just finished working on the rule book for a game called Seals of Cthulhu for Thing 12 games. Yeah. And that rule book is like six pages. It's super short, right? Yeah. Yep. So that was like that was like one pass. I'll go through it. I'll ask any questions if something doesn't make sense. I'll do my like grammar editing while I'm doing that. They'll answer questions. I'll fix it. Boom, we're done. Like two passes, it's easy, right? For chunkier games, generally what I do is I will, the first pass will be send me everything you have with the game. I want the rule, whatever document you have, whether it be a Word document or lay it out or whatever. Send me the rules document. And then I need either, I would like to get either a prototype or a print and play of the game, right? Yeah. I'd yeah. like to sit down and play it. Yep. Um, if I can't do that, that's okay. We can make it work. But first pass is usually I will read through the entire rules and I'll make notes and I will make notes about questions that I have. Okay. You have this rule on page three and this rule on page 12 and they kind of contradict each other. What did you mean here? Or, you know, things that stand out to me in mechanics that don't make any sense. I'll send it back to the publisher or the designer, whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. Yeah. They'll answer all those queries for me, and then I'll do a second pass that that implements those those answers um, and any changes that they may have had, and then I'll do a hard edit, and then I'll give it back to them, and we'll do one more, um, kind of like a pre, like a preprint, like proofread, just to mm -hmm. make sure that nothing got lost in translation. Like if it went to um, the graphic designer for layout or whatever. We'll do one more pass to make sure nothing got changed by mistake or dropped. Or there's been times I've seen rule books that have gone from the final rule book mock up and then went to the graphic designer and then somebody hit the wrong button and sent a previous iteration to the printer. Like, you know, little things like that, right? Yeah, or yeah, somebody yeah. will pick and pull the wrong document. So we'll do one final proof before it goes to print. And then uh, sometimes that's where I step out everything's good after that. Sometimes, um, I'll get an email after the, um, the proofs come back from the printer before it goes to final print. And we'll do one more check to make sure that the printer didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. And then off it goes. But that's like a more chunky, complicated, you know, complicated version. Yeah, so yeah. anywhere between two, two passes to four passes, just whatever it needs, you know, yeah, yeah. we want to make sure that we have it right. Nice. So yeah. if you, I mean, so when you do some of these games, when you do some of these rule books and stuff like that, are, are you, do you see it just because you're a game player? I just, I'd like to know, like when you read some of these, do you get, ex, do you get excited and think, Oh man, I can't wait to see what, how this plays out or like, Oh, this is something I've never thought of before. I can't wait to see what people think of that. Oh, for sure. Um, and the, this is going to sound a little snobby, but I don't mean it to sound that way. So bear with me. But I, as much as I am trying to hustle to get clients, right? I also will kind of pick and choose what projects I want to work on and who mm -hmm. I want to work with. Yeah. Right. I want to work on projects that get me excited because I want to, I know that if I'm as excited as you are about your game, I'm going to do that much of a better job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be invested in it. And because it, it it behooves both of us that when I'm done editing and your game comes out, 
if we do some cross promotion, my name goes on the rule book, I put all of your information on my website and my Twitter and whatever else, I want to be excited about promoting your game. I never want to put my name on a rule book where I'm like, ooh, this game was okay. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So I try to stick to stuff that I'm excited about. And thankfully, that's been the case so far. I I haven't even really been talked to anybody or approached anyone about something that I wasn't like, hey, what's that? Yeah. Do you need an editor for that? Because I want to work on that game with you, right? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm super excited about it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I like, uh, yeah, because I was just wondering. I figured that was, I figured that was going to be your answer, just because you're a game player. Yeah, um, that was one of the things that you know I liked not knowing before coming into our conversation, because like, y- you know, you have a job where you edit rule books, and to tell you the truth, you probably could do that without being a game player technically yes. you probably could and you might not be that great at it because like like you said like having the thing in front of you and being able to play it out to know mm-hmm. you know it, are these rules fit for this game that i'm actually playing right that makes it makes a lot of sense i i have seen i have seen rule books that were edited by traditional editors like they just went out for a copy edit or a proofread and they're fine but those types of editors can't catch holes in mechanics, right? I like to tell people that I'm editing your mechanics as much as I'm editing your words um, because I have a background in prototyping, game development, play testing, these kinds of things. Those holes or those uh, inconsistencies really pop off the page for me And so hopefully I can also help you catch things that you didn't realize were wrong on the page, right? Game designers are famous, famous (laughs) for, I will ask them a question about, hey, what about this rule? Or does this work the way I think it does? And their answer to me will be, oh, I thought that was obvious. No, it's never obvious. Yeah. Why am I asking you this question? <laughs> yeah. It's because I mean, designers are so close to the games yeah. that they don't when they try and get it out on paper, the things that they think make sense don't always make it onto the page because they think exactly that, right? Because maybe when they're playing the game, when you're playing it might be very intuitive when you have the game in front of you and you're playing it. But if I'm reading the rule book, let's say I'm let's say I'm looking up a game on BGG for the first time to look at its ratings and maybe somebody has a link to the rule book. If my first interaction with your game is the rule book and it is poorly written or mechanics don't make sense and I don't have you either teaching it to me or I can't physically play with it, then that's going to be a problem. And a lot of people find out about games that way, right? So it's important to make sure that everything is out of your brain and onto the page, and then that makes sense. And nothing is obvious. Nothing is obvious. Uh, Everything has to be spelled out. Otherwise, you're going to get arguments at the table, and then that just kills the fun of a game, and nobody's going to play it again. Yeah, yeah, Because they're going to be like, this was too hard. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, too. It's like, you know, getting a game... Getting a game out there, you have to... You have to let go of some things. You have to know yeah. that it's got to evolve to where it has. It needs to be. Otherwise, 
it's just it's it's not gonna get where you want it to go you know oh, it's, yeah. it's like if somebody told you like if you were talking to somebody and you're like you're talking down to me yeah i don't care this is i'm trying to tell you what's going on no you don't understand you're talking down to me i don't like that you know yeah. if you just keep repeating the same cycle you're not getting anywhere so it's right. like you gotta right. you have to get to where you need to go for that game to be where it needs to be otherwise it's just gonna be by the wayside and with so many games coming out i mean you you have to you have to really really realize that you know getting it the way it needs to be and going through it with a fine-tooth comb is where you need to go three thousand new games a year get put up on Jeez, bgg that that's makes just on bgg geez that makes that makes my heart hurt good lord right <laughs> <laughs> that's so many games and right? it's funny and be- too oh go ahead Oh, no, I was just going to say, and because of that, everything you do has to be stellar. It has to be tight. Otherwise, nobody... I have so much to choose from. Why would I look at something when I open the rule book and I can't understand it? I'm not... I don't have time for that. I got, you know, 2,999 other games I can go play right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, everything has to be... Everything is important. You have to give that as much love as you gave the game which yeah. sucks sometimes but you do yeah 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 and, it, and you know and it's not just it's not just your smaller games too like i know some games that are that are you know games that people really enjoy that are high, really really rated high mm-hmm. and some of those rule books like you know again i've i've talked about sometimes i can get lost but there have been some rule books where i've gone into it going this could have been done way better because mm-hmm. I am so confused right now. And and some yeah. of them even had the visuals. And even the yeah. visuals were just like, this visual should have been on the last page because this is right. like, why is it over here? It's just so weird. You know, it's like, yeah. you have to be careful with that kind of stuff. You know, it doesn't matter where where on the totem pole you're at. Yeah. Generally, generally what I see is the rule book is like, it's almost an afterthought. Like, everybody knows they need to do it, and it's got to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, the last thing to get done. Yeah. And I get that you got to get the rules locked down, and then you want to write the rule book. But so many people save it for, like, the last minute before they want to go to print that they don't <laughs> give it the time that it deserves. Yeah. And some people are so busy tweaking the game right up to the point where they're going to print. It's like, give yourself just a little window of time. Just a little window of time, and at some point, cut yourself off and say, okay, the rules are set, this is the game, no matter what we do to it, it's not getting any better, let's stop mucking with it, make sure the rule book is tight and clean and easy to read, and then get it to the printer. People just don't, they just don't give themselves time for that. Also, especially independent designers who don't have kind of a team of people kind of, you know, backing them are terrible about not getting any blind playtesting in. Mm-hmm. I I will preach about blind, blind playtesting from the top of every mountain I possibly can because it's so important. Yeah. So many times I've been handed rule books and games and people will be like, hey, can you look at this for me? Sure. We'll go through a little bit of it and it, they're definitely broken parts and I'll say, great. How many times have you playtested this? And they'll say, oh, it's been like a hundred times. Awesome. How many times have you blind playtested it? None. Okay. That you can't do that. You've got to give this box with the rule book to a group of people and let them play it. You have to see whether you sit down with them and don't say anything or you videotape them playing. 
You have to see where they stumble over things in the game. Mm-hmm. And were they able to refer to the rule book and fix what they stumbled over? If not, that's that's a thing you need to fix in the rule book. So many people don't do that. And it's so important. So, yeah. so, so important. Yeah. That's part of the reason why I ask for prototypes or, or print and plays when I get games. Because I don't know if you've blind play tested your game. <laughs> so if you haven't, I'm going to do it because that will help. Right? Yeah. 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 Help get it where it needs to be. Yep. Absolutely. It's again, it's again, it's, yeah, it's doing those things that you're supposed to. It's not like, okay, don't play this with the same five friends because, you know, they're probably going to tell you something that you want to hear, not something yeah. that you need to hear. Yeah. You know? I had somebody come up to me at a show once and they were kind of trying to pitch their game to me. Yeah. Um, but the game itself was a card game, um, and they were already selling it. Like, they had it packaged, and uh, they were already selling it. And I was like, cool. I want to see how this game works. I was like, where's the rule book? And they were like, oh, there is no rule book. Oh. And I'm like, I'm sorry? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, there's a on one of the cards, there's a QR code. You just scan the QR code and watch the playthrough video that we made up. And I was like, huh okay and then the next question was cool how many times have you blind play tested this game oh we have it we've play tested it a bunch and we're ready to go and i'm like you're not and i appreciate your time but you need to go do several more things (laughs) (laughs) before you come back to me yeah Yeah. Mm. i don't know what happened to that person (laughs) i never saw them again yeah no you crushed their dreams sarah maybe i did i don't know i'm so sorry Uh, oh, they're crying in the corner. No, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they did fine. I'm sure they did fine. Hopefully they listened. Hopefully they. Listened. I hope so. I hope so because it was, the cards were beautiful. They had paid, up front a lot of money for art already, uh, and they had cards laid out, and it looked very interesting. Yeah. But, I was like, uh, mm, yeah, no blind t- play testing and no rule book. Yeah. That's like yeah. huge red flags. Like that's, no thank you. Yeah, no that's a you. hard sell for anybody not having at least a rule book. Yeah. Jeez. Even a one page. Even just a one page that yeah. I was like, Do you have player aid? Player aid cards. Yeah, exactly. Anything. Yeah. Even a player Nothing. aid is a little bit Nothing. of an instruction card. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No. Man, that makes me cringe. Yeah. Mm. It's pretty I hope, I hope that person's okay. <laughs> mm. I hope so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, I have no more questions for you. I just, oh, all right. I, yeah, I just, I feel like this was a great conversation about it. Yeah. If I think of anything else, we'll have to have you on again because I, I really enjoyed talking to you about this because I just, yeah. Again, it's just something you don't hear about as much. I am happy to talk about all things gaming related. Awesome, so. awesome. Well, yeah. we're gonna have to have you on again because. Uh, our good one of our good friends, Sean Epperson, was on our two hundredth two hundredth episode yes. last time. Yeah, so I was I, like, I looked at when I uh, when you invited me on, I got onto your website and I saw that Epi was on one of those one of your one of your previous episodes. I'm like, oh, Sean, I love working with Sean. Yeah. Him and uh, him and his business partner Sean Harold with Thing Twelve Games are one of my favorite group of people to work with. They nice. are just amazing. Yeah, yeah. Just such nice guys and so smart, too. That's yeah. always nice to have. Yeah. So, Sarah, if people want to get a hold of you, if they want to reach your company, or if they want to just get a hold of you and talk to you about rule books, like I'm sure everyone is right now, how do they get a hold of you? Oh, very simple. Uh, you can go to my website, creatorscompanion.com. You can find me on Twitter, uh, both at, at creatorsediting and also 
at Kitty Kaboom 25. That's my personal Twitter, but I'm on nice. there a lot. Kitty um, Kaboom. Love yeah, it. it was my roller derby name from back in the day. Ah, uh, very uh, nice. So, uh, all the Twitters. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, Sarah Sharp, you can find me on Facebook. And uh, Creators Companion is also on Facebook. I'm getting much better at the social media, so hopefully <laughs> I'll be better, more better about that soon. Anyway, uh, so yeah, you can find me all the places. Uh, if you go, any conventions you go to, we go to a lot of the major conventions and pretty much any of the West Coast conventions I'm going to be at. So coming up, I will be at Dragonflight um, in Seattle. I will be at PAX West, also in Seattle. Uh, I will be at Rose City Comic Con in Portland. Um, and then I'll also be at Oricon in Portland, which is a science fiction fantasy convention. Very nice. um, and then, of course, we'll be at the big cons next year, Origins and Gen Con and all that jazz. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You were at all the things. I'm very jealous. Yes. Oh, and of course you can find, you can uh, reach out to me also at uh, Daily Magic Games. So we're at underscore Daily Magic underscore on the Twitter. So you can reach out to me there as well. Very awesome. And we love Daily Magic Games, so that's awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. You bet. All right. Well, thanks again to Sarah for coming on. And until next time, I'm Kurt, and this was the MFG Cast. Legends of Tabletop Podcast, creating legends one die at a time.